Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a victorious Coleman Had a Dream podcast. Well, I say victorious, sort of victorious Coleman Had a Dream podcast. Uh, I'm joined, as ever, with, by Ruth. Hello, Ruth. How are you? Good morning. All right. How are you doing? I'm not bad, thanks. I'm uh, less hungover than I was first thing this morning, but uh, that's a bonus. Are you hungover or are you just tired? I'm just tired. Um, the game was lunchtime here, so by the time I'd got sort of over the euphoria, I still had most of Saturday to deal with. <laughs> you had to be a grown-up for the rest of the day, whereas I could just get get pissed and go to sleep. I, in fact, did my classic of got pissed and watched Don't Take Me Home uh, after the match. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's such a cliche with you now. <laughs> my, wa- my wife, Joy, walked into the room and she was like, oh, not this again. I turned straight back around and walked off. <laughs> it's a good job you're not paying like per viewing for that particular video. <laughs> I know, Johnny. What's his name? Johnny. Um, I was going to say Johnny <laughs> Evans. Then not Johnny Evans. What's his name? Johnny. Sorry. What's his name? Johnny. My mind's gone blank. The fellow who made the film. Owen, isn't it? Johnny Owen. There you go. Not yeah. Williams. Um, yeah. He, if if that was the case, if it was uh, uh, a pay per play sort of situation i think he could probably retire just on the back of my <laughs> my viewership alone but thankfully that's not the case this is a waffly start even by our standards um yeah maybe, maybe we should start again. <laughs> no i'm quite enjoying it we'll crack on um yes yeah, so we are going to talk today about the games obviously against belgium and the win against mexico which was obviously kind of punctuated by chris gunter's 100th cap and we are going to look forward to the czech republic game as well um We'll start obviously with the with the Belgium game, Ruth. The 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 first question I guess is thoughts on the on the lineup and the biggest surprise I suppose would be um Danny Ward playing in goal. Yeah, it was that remains a strange decision for me, to be honest. I mean I, I can see the only the only somewhat plus point in that is that he was he was involved in November's game and, and so there's a notion of some consistency from there. But it didn't make sense to me. Either you were going with Davies because he's had a little bit of game time or you go, you're going with Hennessy because why would you make more changes than necessary? Uh, so I... <sighs> And I, I think he had an okay game. I'm sure we'll get to some of the incidents of the game. Um, so I don't think, it, you know, it wasn't as though he had a string of howlers and you can really query the, the inclusion, but it just seems a strange decision. Particularly as we said um, in the pre-prod that we felt whoever got the competitive games now really had to have the competitive games in June. And so there's, there's a kind of statement in including him in goal, which I just, it all seemed a bit strange there. Um, it does look like more is becoming our plan, our plan B, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. I mean, uh, so I, I think those were the two big decisions of the of the game. Really, is either end of the field. Yeah, I, I would add one more to that, which was Nico Williams playing kind of left wing back. Mm. Um, I think that was not. I was actually, excuse me, I think I'm going to, am I going to sneeze? No, I'm not. I think I was <laughs> toying with putting that in my kind of suggested start in 11 as to whether I thought that would happen because I I thought we were kind of due a surprise um, and I decided against it in the end because I just thought it, he hasn't been playing, let alone been playing out of position at left wing back against the best the best international football team in the world. So I just thought that wasn't going to happen. I, like he did okay, don't get me wrong, but um, 
yeah, I, I was I was a bit surprised by that. To, just to go back to the Hennessy Award, I felt like the reason he did it, like you mentioned, as he played in the in the November games, I felt like it was a decision for the sake of making a decision. And I, you know, Danny Ward didn't cost us the game, but I, I mean, you know, for me, ha- has he done enough ever in a Wales shirt to kind of make you think, or pop, I would possibly even in his career to to make you think he should be playing above Wayne Hennessy? And equally, has Hennessy been bad enough to? to be kind of worthy of being dropped when he's been our number one goalkeeper for a, for a long, long time. And I, I just felt like it was, it was a decision that kind of didn't need to be made, uh, yet was made anyway. Like you said, if you were going to make that change, you put Davies in goal. So I did think it was a touch unnecessary. And I don't think it achieved anything. As I say, you know, Danny Ward didn't lose us the game. I, I, I don't think he helped a, a great deal, especially for the third goal. Again, I'm not purely blaming him, but I, I don't think he helped. Um, so yeah, that, that that was the biggest one for me. I I fully expected Wilson to play as that kind of false nine. I thought the logic that we used against Republic of Ireland of having the fast lads against their older lads was was probably the plan. Um, and so I wasn't too surprised that, like I say, on the whole, I was I, you know the the lineup was fairly predictable. Uh, I thought with the obvious kind of the goalkeeper and the and the wing back situation. Yeah, I thought it was interesting to go with Nico out of position, not playing. I, I, I fail to see what um, Norrington Davies hasn't been doing that might make him better for for that role. Whether you whether you <clears throat> were always thinking that he was your kind of emergency centre-back um, in, in the way that, I mean, we'll get to Saturday's game, but in the way that it materialised on Saturday. And so, you you know, you kept him for that purpose. I don't know, but it... It, it it was a strange decision. I I thought he did fine, yeah. um, but there were definitely times when his right footedness um, came into play, and you know he pulled up on on not crossing or pulled back inside just because he wanted to be on his more comfortable foot. And I think I think there were times when, ironically, the attacking side of his game perhaps suffered more for being on the wrong side of the field. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of that comes from a lack of match sharpness, which is something I definitely mm-hmm. want to talk about in a bit. Um, before we get to that, obviously, I think it's important we we talk about our goal, um, which was, frankly, ridiculous. I, I don't think I don't think I remember Wales scoring that kind of goal for a long, 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 long time. It, it reminded me in a way of the goal that I think Aaron Ramsey scored against Republic of Ireland when it was a lot of good spell of passing and the the ball got put through to Ramsey who who obviously scored I think it was the third goal of that game when we beat them 4-1. So it kind of reminded me of that in a way but I felt like considering the opposition and the circumstance um and everything else it was it was just an out, outrageously good goal. I can't disagree and I I agree with you. I think you've got to go back to that Ireland game for for us getting those sorts of flowing passing goals. Um it, and it wasn't just the the that part of it, you know. It was Morel's tenaciousness to make sure we didn't lose the ball in the middle of the field. It was it was the patience out on the left before they cut it across field. Um, I mean, the whole the whole sort of background of the goal was great. Not not just that immediate play down the right hand side. Uh, so yeah, it was it it was just lovely. <laughs> Yeah, and I think, you know, that shows what we really are capable of when we kind of play our best football. And again, you think about that was without, you know, our better players in inverted commas. You know, it does really go to show what we're capable of producing. And my only frustration with it was is that we didn't 
kind of build on it. It reminded me of the England game in the Euros in a, in a little bit of a way where we kind of had something to hold on to, I thought. And we sat very, very deep afterwards. And we didn't. I don't think we kind of attempted to play that way afterwards, um, which is a shame because the press was there for the beating. You know, that, you know, that there was a, a point in that goal where Gareth Bale was allowed to turn, plays the ball into Conor Roberts. And that space was there. And we didn't kind of exploit that again, I don't think, for the first half. And I think that kind of really shot us in the foot but that doesn't take anything away from the goal it just again like I say it goes to show what we're capable of when we kind of uh, when we when we turn it on it was just absolutely fantastic from left to right one touch passing excellent movement off the ball it was it was an absolute pleasure to watch yeah couldn't couldn't agree more and going back to the, the first part of what you were saying then I think that's the first frustration of a, a number of frustrations of this game is is the way that we we didn't try and take any kind of front foot ownership of the game we, we were particularly in the latter part of the first half we were just so passive and and of course that's when we paid for it when we came back out in the second half with a bit more tempo we were we were much more in the game but at that point unfortunately we, we were too run down you know too and late. I, I, yeah, yeah exactly you're playing the best team in the world you can't can't decide to play that way halfway through the game it doesn't work like that um to look at their first goal, I kind of it's it's a bit of a dick move, I think, for you know, to say that we, we you know, it was avoidable goal because, you know, it's a great finish by De Bruyne. And I you know, and I don't think anyone can do anything about the finish itself. Um I think Danny Ward was maybe a bit unsighted, not his fault, um, but I think he was a bit unsighted. Um but even if he had have been there, the ball I think like just scrapes the inside of the post as it goes as it goes into the back of the net. So like it was a perfect finish, and you can't really you can't really point any fingers for that. But I will say that in the build up to it, the ball gets given away twice. I think it is on in either kind of full back position, um, and and again that's where the frustration comes for me. Really, I can live with the finish. It's a it's a great goal, but the build up to that, the way the ball gets given away, um, was a was a real frustration to me. Yeah, I mean, De Bruyne, you could put, make a case that he's probably given a little bit too much space in the centre there. But in fairness, that didn't happen often. Yeah. And when you consider what a quality player he is, you know, you play the percentages so he's going to get opportunities. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. I think there was too many occasions where we were giving the, the ball away too easily. And, the, the, you know, those the two that you mentioned there, happened to result in a goal but there were plenty of other occasions where we were just that little bit off the pace just that half a step too late um or didn't see the space developing quickly enough uh, so i think i mean i don't i don't think that there's too much to criticize about that particular goal it, it as you say it's a it's a great finish but if you if we want to really tease out where we were lacking in the game overall, it, that's a manifestation of s some of the problems we had, which was just being on on them a speed that unsettled them. They they relatively across the game they didn't do that much, yeah. and I think that's what that's one of my frustrations. And we'll perhaps talk about some bigger picture things later. Um, and and I, given they weren't like tearing us apart. I think I was frustrated that we weren't making them work harder for what they did have. 
Yeah, I agree. I think that's the best way to describe it. I mean, I think, you know, you mentioned the, the giving a ball away in dangerous areas. I think Lukaku has a, you know, misses a sitter really not long before they equalise. I actually text Fraser, who's written one of our articles in Game of Willard, and said, you know, you know, scored scored an early goal, you know, Lukaku's missed a sitter. Could this be our night? And I think I'd pretty much just press send on that, just as De Bruyne rattle, rattles in the goal. And <laughs> Fraser responded straight away with, Oh, um, so uh, you know the the David Reese curse strikes again. Um, I, I think everything you've said there is spot on in regards to kind of how we we manage certain situations and um, you know that frustration. I think is genuine in the sense that we we could have done better. The goals were avoidable. I think the second one especially um, was was really avoidable. I think obviously it's unfortunate for Connor Roberts that he's that he slipped the way he has just as the ball is kind of falling onto uh, Hazard's head. I think the frustration, the avoidableness there for me is, again, the ball's come across the box. Nico Williams, and again, uh, you know, I'm not saying that it was his fault. It was a it was a culmination of a few different things, but the ball's bounced right in front of him. He, he shouldn't let the ball bounce in the box like that, and I think it's because, like you said, he's on his wrong foot. He doesn't quite know how to kind of deal with the situation. He wants to use his right, lets it bounce across him. We lose the ball in the corner, a bit of back and forth, and the ball comes in. And of course, you know, then Connor Roberts unfortunately slips. It's just one of those things. But again, I felt like it was avoidable. My my ultimate point, I guess, rather than question to you here is, I think it raises the argument or the conversation at least. Giggs mentioned when he took over the job, he wants to people to be. He wants to pick people who are playing. He didn't pick the people who are playing for the game. Not all of it his fault. But I think you can see in those two instances, uh, sorry, that that instance, and especially the second goal, the lack of match sharpness was was a real issue there. And and I and I just wonder, if obviously, first off, if you agree, but but also if you, again, th- that instance in itself was an avoidable problem. To, just to talk about Nico's sort of management of that that bouncing ball I think it's difficult to know whether he's second guessing things because he's out of position second guessing things because it's on his wrong foot second guessing things because he's not played much and I suspect it's a bit of everything yeah um uh that that links into links into that uncertainty in in his reaction um the the wider question of playing players who are playing i i do think it it throws up it, it kind of throw you're throwing that back in Giggs's face basically aren't we we're saying look this is what you said this is what you were demanding you wanted players that were game fit in form playing regularly now there are times when clearly the situation with the goalkeepers for example not much yeah can't be helped we can do about that. We've, you know, it can't be helped. But he, but there are times when the team are picking players who are out of position and and aren't even playing regular football for for their club sides, and it seems to be a sort of unnecessary risk. To my mind, I think you're putting players in a very difficult position when. You're asking them to get to be game ready when clearly they're not. Yeah. With a very small training window, playing them out of position, playing them 
against incredibly good opposition. Um, I do I do worry a little bit about some of the things that we are expecting our players to deliver. Um, I feel I feel in fairness, I don't think anyone's particularly let us down. I don't think no. anyone's had a complete mere having been thrown in at the deep end, but there's going to reach a point where that backfires on you, I fear. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think if you look at that circumstance, is Nico Williams that much of a better player in inverted commas compared to uh, Reese Norrington Davis that he, you know, that would have changed the game. That could have altered the game if Norrington Davis doesn't, you know, does play there. I think he's playing regularly. He's playing in that kind of wing back position regularly. He's playing well. He's scoring goals. He's getting assists. Is Nico Williams that much of a better player that it makes that much of a difference on that, on that one day? I, I just don't think it does. And I think ultimately it creates it, it creates an unnecessary risk. There's an unnecessary gamble there. And some of those decisions, like you said, the goalkeeper win, you, you can't argue with that. I, I personally disagree with it. But if you're picking between three blokes who've hardly played, then you, you know, you, you, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place there. And I would say that the difference to that, the flip side to that is that... Norrington Davis is playing regularly, is playing um, well, and he, that is his position. And I just think we're kind of creating unnecessary situations. You know, the centre-half situation is another one that I wanted to kind of bring up because, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Like, who who else kind of plays there? Like, I don't think, personally, Mepham should have been playing. I think Kamango was probably the better choice, although, you know, he's also not played, I think, the last four before the game started. So, like, I do recognise that, it, again, it's not an easy decision, but I feel like we're kind of taking risks a little bit in areas that don't require it. I think the centre-back one's interesting. Um, I think Mepham, of the players who've not been playing much recently, I think Mepham looked the most rusty. Yeah. Um, Equally, I don't think he had a terribly bad game. I know he's he's been the butt of some people's sort of ire, yeah. and and I think he could have handled what became the penalty better, uh, but the flap sort of outwards from Ward didn't help. Um, so I, I'm not sure that one's as clear cut a query as I feel about the Nico Williams, Reese Norrington Davies decision that. That decision for me just seems plain strange. Whereas I can see with probably came down to a choice of Mepham over Cabango. I I can I can see a case for both for both in that situation. And again, particularly when you had the stability of that being the core from the November games. I think if you if your rationale has taken you down keeping Ward as the goalkeeper because you're favouring the fact that he performed well in November and that's your kind of raison d'etre for going down that route, I, I can see the same rationale applying to keeping Mepham there. So that one, for me, at least has some a sort of sensible backdrop to it. See, I would disagree with you there. I, I, I follow your logic 100%, and I and I do think his rustiness, again, like I said before, I don't think it's cost us the game by any stretch of the imagination. It, I do think it has made a big impact on the game. I do think he his, his ball retention was really poor, and that was rustiness. Obviously, 
you know, between him and Ward, they're at fault for that third goal, which again is definitely rustiness. I think there there are enough things there which raise an alarm bell to me about why he shouldn't have played. And I think, you know, I get it because Cabango. It's, it's easy to say all these things in hindsight, isn't it? Cabango could have come in and been excellent. And, you know, ex- he was excellent last night in the Mexico game. So, again, I'm saying this. It's easy to say that in hindsight, isn't it? I, I think at a point you've just got to make a decision about how this is how you're going to do it going forward. And I feel like you said there that I do agree with the, that the uncertainty is going to bite us on the behind at some point. And I think... That is kind of my biggest concern with it all. I feel like, as I said, I said the same about Nico and, and Norrington Davis. I feel like it's a risk that didn't need to be taken. And I think it was on the Edge Foff podcast. Juan um, Roberts mentioned that Mepham has got a rick in him. Um, and that that kind of came to pass. And I don't think you've we could say the same about Cabango. And I've said on here before, I'm not sure how ready he is for international football yet. He he put in a performance against Mexico that has certainly gone a long way to changing my mind. So again, I'm saying these things in hindsight. So I so I so I understand that it's easier for me to say this now than than if Mepham had had a great game and Cabango was crap because then it's a great decision, isn't it? You only know these things after. So mm-hmm. it is difficult um, to look at the. To look at the start of the second half, I think it's important we do. Obviously, we went in 2-1 down, lost Joe Allen, um, which was a big loss. But again, I thought Joe Morrell... Again, people giving him stick on Twitter and stuff like that. What is the point? I thought he came in and did really well. You know, kind of unspectacular, but solid, reliable. His work rate was outstanding. I, I was really impressed with him, i got to say. But um, we came out... We yeah, seen, I can add, Go on, sorry. It, it's, a, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because what do you want the person... Regardless if we're talking about... Joe Allen or Ampadu or Morrell or Smith or whoever. What do you want from your defensive midfielders? You you kind of actually want to not notice them, yeah. Because it it means they're they're doing their job by affecting what the opposition are doing. So they're not flying in with late tackles. They're not scurrying around. They're actually doing what you want them to do, which is holding space closing down slowing up the play disrupting the play it's not meant to be fancy football that's why we've got Bale and Wilson and James up front I mean that's where the fancy football is meant to happen whoever is in holding midfield is meant primarily there to stop the opposition which almost by definition means you don't want to hear their name (laughs) in the commentary you know because it means there's nothing going on in that part of the field. Yeah. And that's what I want. And that, in fairness to Joe Morrell, that's what you get every time you put him on the field. I, I think a lot of it stems from the Will Volks argument at the minute that people want Volks in, included in the squad. And, you know, for one reason or another, he isn't. And I get that people are frustrated with that. But I also think at a point, A, it's not Joe Morrell's fault that Will Volks isn't in the squad. And B, it's... I, I don't I don't understand in what world you think that you slagging him off is, is going to make him think, oh, do you know what, he's right. I, you know, I should probably retire. Or I'll go to the gaffer and say, I'll tell you what, pick, you know, give, we'll give Will Volks a call and get him in here. I'm crap. Like, I just don't think it solves anything. And again, I get we get frustrated. And I think you're, it's perfectly acceptable to say you think someone had a bad game. I, I have no problem with that. I think when you're calling people out your shit, what are you doing here? Well, it's not helping anything or anyone. Or it doesn't kind of... 
you know, I suppose nothing we do <laughs> talking on this podcast <laughs> helps anything or anyone, but at least I, I think you, there's a sort you can make a, a rational argument for one thing or another. And I think in his instance, he's never ever let us down, and I and I do not understand what why people would have an issue with him. But anyway, um, I do I do think there's a, a wider question about folks, though, Dave. I mean, the whole it makes no sense that he's not in the squad, and I think while that situation that sort of strange decision is there it does leave the door open to be kind of like banging on the door with like well what's going on what's going on why is why is this apparent situation we know why are we in this apparent situation and then it puts the players that are in that position it does put them in a difficult position because you've got someone who at face value, in terms of what's happening on the field at the minute, in terms of what he's producing for Cardiff, he should be in that squad. And so when he's not, it it gives people some ammunition to dig at, at the rest of the players in that position. It does. And I think a big part of it is man management. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say too much. As I understand it, it is not a footballing reason that he's not in the squad. And I think that if he... I think it's a man management issue is the crux of what I'm trying to get at here. I think that these situations need to be handled better. A lot of this is never a case of you're going to see these players in the next day and the next day and the next day and you can't put your arm around them. You can't have that kind of you've been a dick so I'm going to take you out of the team thing because then four months, five months, whatever, you don't have a game. So it, it doesn't work like that. So I do think there's a big man management issue that whether it's Paige, Giggs, whoever hasn't got that down yet and I think that's something that can be built on and improved I would also make the same argument though and you're right you know he should be in the squad and it does give ammunition I would also counter that though by saying again whichever side of this uh, line you fall on with all due respect to both Will Vox and Joe Morrell neither of them are in Iesta or Xavi <laughs> or Pirlo and if, if you're saying that you've not picked Xavi or you've not picked Iniesta because you've picked Joe Morrell then I get that argument because that's completely valid it's nonsensical at the moment but it's valid right if you drop I would even say Joe Allen for Joe Morrell or Will Vox again I get the argument to all intents and purposes they are two very very similar players and I don't think you get much from one that you don't get from the other and I don't think either of them have ever won us a match I don't think either of them will probably ever win us a match or or, or lose us one come to that matter but Joe Morrell has been absolutely fantastic when he's played and if I was given the choice Will Volks in the squad or not I would choose for Joe Morrell to play over Will Volks because he's when he's come in he's been excellent every time I guess we're kind of laboring a, a wider point here but I just, I feel like the crux of what I'm trying to say is arguing about two players who are at a very similar standard. I think we're kind of focusing on the wrong issues is, is, the, is the ultimate point I'm getting at. We're, get, we're getting a bit off topic here, but I, I do think there's a question, as you say, about the man management. My understanding is we still don't have a psychologist in the, right. in the framework. Um, and I think we're putting enough young players through the mill. We're putting enough young players through the mill in out of position situations. I mean, imagine if Nico had had a nightmare against Belgium, let's say. Yeah. Um, You need someone who's just going to 
stop and understand the impact that that's having having on players. And I do I do think we're we're missing something by not really looking at 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 this from a kind of person to person point of view. I, I do think there's there's some evidence that we haven't got that nailed down at the minute. No, I I agree with that, and I you, I hadn't I hadn't thought of it that way. That's that's a very good point, and I think I think you're absolutely spot on. Um, I think it's probably not something that's going to change either. So to you know, again, I feel I feel like we're when I say we, I mean us as fans rather than just you and I. But I think I'm I'm more worried about how the psychological aspect of things might be affecting, let's say, Aaron Ramsey who keeps getting injured, mm-hmm. than arguing the toss between Joe Morell and Will Volks. And I don't I'm not taking the I'm not you know putting you down I just mean I think yep. if, if we need a psych, psychologist then you know then I think there's wider aspects that we can be can be talking about and, and again I totally agree with your point that someone needs to be putting arms around shoulders and, and and all of this in a certain way I just I just don't think I don't think it's the be all and end all or or, or, or a big kind of point that people are making do, do you know what I mean yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think it's just an interesting, um, aside of where we're at. No, I agree with you there. That's true. That is true. I hadn't thought of that before. Um, to look at the start of the second half, obviously we came out and played a lot, lot better. We played higher up the pitch. That the fullbacks were further up the pitch and pressing higher, which made a big, big difference. I thought. Um, and I thought we controlled the ball a lot better. I mean, there were there were times when the ball, you know, they are hoofing the ball away to us, and instead of us sitting back. Joe Rodden, for example, is getting the ball and coming out and of of, of defence with the ball and is kind of driving at players and instantly it puts them on their back foot and it showed us that there was something in the game for us without us kind of creating too much. I thought Gareth Bale had a good little run, couldn't quite get a shot off. The Dan James ball back across where Bale tried his, his overhead trick, overhead kick trick again. Um, was was great and again showed us what was there for us. Just a quick mention of Joe Rodden. I thought he was absolutely superb and i thought that the way he managed lukaku was was outstanding i think ironically it's another one of the frustrations for me for the game is how well we managed lukaku and they still managed to score three goals yeah. you know i think um but Rodden in particular, I thought had an, had an, an excellent game and, ev- um, and every time he pulls on the shirt he's he's growing so much um he's he's going to be central to everything we do going forward i feel um the second half performance clearly um the first 20 minutes or so was much much better i think whoever gave them a kind of slap around the face and shoved the smelling salts under their nose <laughs> at half time did a good job um the just being that much on the front foot with the press, pressing higher up, giving them everything we'd said we were discussing a few minutes ago that was wrong with the close of the, the first half in terms of giving them too much space and and time. Um, that more or less went in the in the opening part of the second half, and and obviously we had some chances. And you know, as you say, if 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 one of those had nicked inside the inside the post, I think it might have been a very different would have been a very different outcome. Um, but I think ultimately, I think we paid for having that 
verve a little too late in the game, really. Yeah, and I, do you know what? I don't have a problem with the way we kind of press more second half and we're a bit more passive first half, it, mm-hmm. sort of, because I think there's that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think you, you mentioned there we kept Lukaku pretty quiet. I thought we kept, on the whole, De Bruyne was pretty quiet. We kept him pretty mm-hmm. quiet as well. Um, so I, I can kind of... I don't mind that, the passivity, if that's a word, so much. But because of the mistakes, it meant we were th- we were 2-1 down at halftime mm. and kind of had to come out that way. And I think p- perhaps that was always the plan anyway, to come out a bit more second half and have a go, kind of have and see what happened. Um, I thought it worked. I thought we g- got us in the game. And again, that's the overriding frustration is that we were massively in the game and it didn't kind of work out for us. I think mm-hmm. the the biggest issue of the night I had uh, was the third goal because it summed up all of our problems and that sounds very you know that sounds like right we're in a shambles and we're not but I think that situation summed up perfectly where we need to improve the balls come across uh, you know uh, I, I make no bones about the fact that I Wayne Hennessy should be playing. He should be our goalkeeper. And I don't think Danny Ward is good enough. I've said it in the pod before. And I will continue to do so. I don't think he's a good enough goalkeeper. Um, And I think in that instance, that whole situation proved that how how important the rustiness circumstance is. But also, I, I think there's a fundamental error there by the goalkeeper. And again, not just his fault. But I think you cannot flap a ball out like that the ball wasn't traveling at a big pace i can see by the look on your face i'm not sure you're agreeing with me but um, <laughs> the you know the ball has not come at him at a fast pace he has flapped that onto the penalty spot pretty much uh, you cannot do that in international football and again not all his fault mepham's completely on his heels and he does what i do playing for the boomslow wolves our five-a-side football team on a monday night when i still lived at home where the ball comes to you in that circumstance and you just think right lads i'm getting rid of this this ball is going over the fence at goal and someone's gonna have to collect it from the hedges Ta-da! and you just wave your leg at it and hope that it works out and in this instance it didn't and it, it was an absolute stonewall penalty he was very much on his heels didn't react quick enough so between the two of them i think they they are to blame and again that is a, is a huge frustration to me because we were back in the game at that point. We were making the most of the game. Uh, we were a threat. Um, and we kind of gave it all away with a really, really poor goal. Um, I would agree with you with that frustration. I'm, I'm not sure it's as clear cut as, you know, two people making two mistakes. I think, I think, you know, football's a more holistic game than that. Um, could Ward have cleared it better yes could Mepham have cleared the ball and and not the player yes um I think you're right in the sense that perhaps if they were both a bit more match fit those things might come more more naturally that that's you know tenth of a second earlier action on on different things when you when you're just at the pace of games may have helped um i I agree with you. I think after that, we, the, you know, the air went out of us. We, 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 the whole, the rest of the game, frankly, was a bit damp squib, yeah, wasn't it? From both, from both teams, really. Um, we barely threatened. They barely threatened. It kind of, it petered out. Um, I think my frustration is more that we had a chance there against the best team in the world. And 
wasn't that they outplayed us fundamentally. And I think that's where my frustration lies. It's more in the kind of big picture. You look at some of the other results that have come through from these, you know, these opening games with um, other teams that are ranking are ranking well, but um, like the Dutch, did the Dutch lose or was it a draw? Yeah, the the, the Dutch lost four two to the Dutch. A, to obviously, lost, that's right. The France France drew. France drew with Ukraine. You know, there's there's been a lot of teams where they've been caught a bit cold. And I felt like we had the chance to do that against the Belgians. And I think that's where my frustration lies. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, and you, would, you would say that looking at last night's performance by the Czech Republic, they did that. They took their chances and they, they got a point that they absolutely merited. So, it, you know, I, I, I'm in total agreement with you in that sense. Um it was a missed opportunity, but again, I think we've got to be realistic to try and finish this segment off on a on a positive footing. We've played the best team in the world without Aaron Ramsey, for the most part without Joe Allen, without Ben Davis. We've got players who aren't playing regularly for their clubs. We scored a goal against them, and it was a bloody great goal. And how often would we be sat here, you know, five? and more years ago saying we've lost 3-1 to Belgium or whoever the best team of the world are and sit here and say do you know what we've, we've been a bit unlucky there we've been hard done by it, I think it shows the, the the progress that we've made and you know yes it was frustrating to lose the game there were plenty of positives in that game as well and I know we've 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 kind of wandered and I do want to move on because we're 40 minutes in and we still want to talk <laughs> about the Mexico game and preview the Czech Republic game um, but I think I think it is worth pointing out the positives that Rod and I thought was was excellent. I thought Connor Roberts. I know he's been lucky for the goal, but I thought his work rate was fantastic up and down that side. I thought Harry Wilson's hold up play for a lot of the game was fantastic. I thought Dan James's work rate was great. I thought you know there were enough things for us to be happy about there. You know, despite the result. Yeah, I can't disagree when you consider who's missing in particular uh, to go toe to toe with the best team in the world to effectively shut up Lukaku, to more or less shut up De Bruyne, um, to have, as you say, players playing out of position, out of club football and and still deliver that overall performance, I think is a kind of a statement of where we are that is kind of disappointing. <laughs> you know, that, that says something about where we are. And I think, you know, that in itself is probably the biggest positive is that we've done this against that team and, you know, we're frustrated rather than thinking, oh, well, they were bloody great, never mind. You know, I think we've done enough to to maybe not get something out of the game, but we've done enough to show ourselves that we could have got something out of the game. And I think that's a big step. Um, Mm -hmm. To look uh, to last night, we are recording this on Sunday. Um, Obviously, Wales won Mexico nil. Lots to talk about. Um, I wondered if you wanted to start, Ruth. Ruth, sorry, by uh, riffing a little bit about your your hero and someone I know is certainly very much a, a crush for you as well. Uh, in, 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 I don't think I'm the only one in the room. I mean, no, that's true. I fancy him as well, to be fair. But um, yeah, just I just wondered if you wanted to riff a little about uh, Christopher Gunter. Um, Mr. Christopher Ross Gunter. Yes. Well, I think. The various interviews that he's given both before and after the game, um, I'm sure people that have listened to this have watched the longer interview that IG did with him and where 
Gunt sits down and, and watches some videos from some of his colleagues and, and all the well wishes that, that they send and just how clearly emotional he gets. I think you watch him singing the anthem last night. Um, there's There's nothing about his approach to playing for Wales that you can't love. He has made the best of every little moment that life has given him as a, as a football player. And I think when we're able to see the joy that we take in being a supporter manifest in a player, that's why, that's why we're also connected with him. He is everything that you want on the field as a representative and the fact that he hasn't just done all of that, he's reached this amazing milestone. And to be the first bloke to reach this amazing milestone is, you. if you'd have sat down 15 years ago and framed the person that you would want to achieve this, that that's Chris Gunter writ large. And I, I, just, I just love him. He's just wonderful. I think the thing he said after the match was the was the interesting thing. He said, I didn't want this, you know, to just to be about me playing 100 games. He was talking about winning. The, and, like, his first reaction, it was always deferring or deflecting attention away from him. It, it's almost like he didn't want it to be about him, which in itself makes you want to hear from him more about it. Um, I think he is our representative on that pitch, and I, and I think your comment there about the videos and, and everything else that he was watching you know was just fantastic and uh, I loved the, the the last moment well I loved Owen Van Williams in that just as a as an aside <laughs> but um, I think the the end moment of that we was just like oh thanks for that and like I was just like he's just he just seems like almost confused by it and then he just looks up and just like are you going to turn the camera off or what and just stands up <laughs> like he's just I think he's everything that we would want in a in a in a captain for sure, but also I think he's everything that it means so much to us fans to watch Wales play because you're representing your country. It is more than just football, isn't it? But for not only for the players to be good and nice and humble, but to get that, I think is 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 the powerful thing from him. I think that is the thing that makes it so great for us at the moment. You know, Bale gets it. Gunter is certainly our representative on the pitch in that sense, and he gets it. And I think that's what makes the whole situation kind of so powerful. Um, and I and I I I've agree I agree with everything you said. I don't want to again. I don't want to labour things, but I think he's he's of of this era of success we've had. I think for someone like him to be our hero. It says a lot about the team and and what we want as a football as a as a football team and as a country from our football team as well. Um, I said I'm not going to leave the point, and then I've just waffled for an extra two minutes. So <laughs> uh, we will talk about the game. I'll be honest with you, Ruth. I thought the starting eleven was absolutely mental. <laughs> it was bonkers. I was looking at it as it came to you on the Twitter, and I'm like, what? Okay, well, there's 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 a centre back. <laughs> <laughs> And there's about 15 midfielders, you know. <laughs> um, so, I mean, in fairness, I think Gunter's Gunter's obviously played a, a great deal of, of 
centre back as well. Um, so you know, it's not it's not quite as ludicrous as making that sound. I think Reese Norrington Davies has, has made it clear that he's quite an adaptable left sided defender. In fairness, so as a trio, it, in the end, that perhaps wasn't as crazy as it looked on paper. I think the really interesting decisions were the were the wing backs. Oh my God. I mean, I think John, we we were laughing, weren't we? messaging back and forth that we'll have Johnny in goal next because yeah. it's about the only position he hasn't played. Um, it, you know, I know you've got your issues with Tom Lawrence and we'll, we'll gloss over that because otherwise we'll be here for another 20 minutes. But <laughs> in fairness, I thought both of them played really well in difficult circumstances against a team that are, you know, they're not in the top 10 in the world for nothing. They're, they've put out effectively their first 11. Yeah. I mean, they've got a couple of key injuries, but beyond that, it was effectively their first first 11. Um, a lot of pressure, I think, on those players. to You know, you can imagine someone like Johnny, who I think he's on the plane this summer, but let's say, you know, he's on the cusp of being on the plane this summer. I think his versatility, as he's very clearly demonstrated, is very important in a 23-man squad. But that's a, that's a different decision, a different discussion. But they went into that game with a lot of pressure, desperate to win it for Guns, but also for their own, you know, professional trajectory. It makes a big difference yeah. if you're involved in this summer squad or not. So they're really feeling it, those guys that are battling for their places. And then to be put in a in a, a makeshift team, I mean, I don't think you could even really claim it was our B team. It was a kind of C and a half team. Um, the out of position against top 10 opposition and told to get on with it, I thought they did amazingly well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I've got some I've got some great little nuggets that I found for you that I that I hope you appreciate. Um obviously this is a friendly and it's a team ranked above us in the in the world rankings. Do you want to have a a stab at the last time we beat a team ranked above us in the rankings in a friendly? Um I'll be surprised probably, if you get this one. Probably I don't know. Was one of those Germany games a friendly? I'll, I'll come to that now. So you've, you've jumped into my second question. So the, okay. the, the last time we beat a team above us in the rankings in a friendly was in 2013. We beat Austria. Uh, we were 81st and they were 68th. So hardly okay. hardly, <laughs> hardly a clash of the titans there. Um, the last time nice we, stat. Oh, thank you. Uh, the last time we beat a top 10 ranked team in a friendly... Um, was, as you very correctly mentioned there, against the Germans uh, in 2002, uh, almost 20 years ago, when Robert Earnshaw scored, I think on his debut. I remember I was there for that match, but scored against Oliver Kahn on his debut. Um, so, you know, to put into context this, this kind of circumstance around what we achieved last night, and I know we don't get a trophy for it, but... Um, I think is worth pointing out, especially when, like you said, we've got like a, a B and a half team out. Um, to to go to what you said about Tom Lawrence and uh, and Johnny Williams, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say too much, but I think their performances in that sense, in regards of right, you're on, get on with it. You want to <laughs> go to, you want to go on holiday in the summer with us lot, then let's see how much you want it. You know, we're gonna play you out of position, and I thought the work rate. Just general commitment was just outstanding, mm-hmm. and you know, 
uh, you know, as we've said, I've I've said on here before, I'm not Torren Lawrence's biggest fan. He should not be in the squad. His effort and commitment and work rate, considering he's not played for about three months before, I thought was outstanding. And I thought Johnny Williams, you know, he's not the tallest bloke, but he's flying into headers with massive blokes. He was he was everywhere. And I think there was people across the team, like Rabi Matondo, I, I kind of tweeted out today, I don't think he's ready for international football at the top level yet. But I tell you what, my God, did that boy try hard. Like, he was everywhere. His decision-making is not great. And his final ball needs a, a, a slab of improvement. When you think he's 21 years old, um, his energy and effort and work rate and everything was just outstanding last night and his the speed he has when he's closing people down and winning the ball when he gets there I, I, I just thought again not in quality terms but in terms of what he offered I thought Rabi Matondo's work rate was excellent last night and the one that kind of typified it the most for me and was our man of the match was Matt Smith I, I thought you know at least he got played in his actual position which was which was a novelty <laughs> on the night but um, I just thought he was a he is a real shot in the arm for the players who are playing all the time he looked sharp he looked aggressive he looked match fit his passes were great he didn't give the ball away he was kicking anything that moved I just thought he was fantastic and, and those those four I think in particular there were people who had you know better games perhaps than Matondo and, and, and Lawrence and Johnny um, not Matt Smith as I say I thought he was the man of the match but I think that kind of typified and typifies what we want and what we needed last night and what we got and I was just I was so so impressed I thought he was he was fantastic and just the energy and the work rate of the side on the whole was was superb to watch. I thought both he and Levitt looked very composed, actually, Smith in particular, but I th- I think we've been quite critical of whether uh, Dolan Levitt is ready for, for this level. And I don't think he's ready for first 11, but no. I think he made more of a, more of a case uh, last night as well. I don't think there was any of them that hindered their consideration for being part of the squad in the summer. And when you consider what they were thrown into and the pressure of that, I I thought they did amazingly well. But I'm with you. I think Smith is a really good example of kind of evaluating what is the next step I need. I just need to be playing football. And yeah, okay, it means I've got to go down to League One to do it. But I've just I've just got to roll my sleeves up and get some game time. And he's and he's done that this season. You know, after a a non-starter of a season with um, with QPR. Last year, he's he's taken the opportunity to go to Doncaster. He's playing really well. Is contributing. Like you know, you look at the the number of games where he's making a difference for them, and you could see that that maturity last night as well. Yeah, I, I think there was you know just a lot to admire, and I think that summed everything up. I think looking at our goal. Um, you know, a bit lucky, offside in the build-up. Ah, oh, well, win some, lose some. Um, <laughs> I thought, I thought, you know, what unbelievable close control by <laughs> by uh, by our man Kiefer Moore, Ballon d'Or. And I thought that he was, you know, again, just summed up what the game was about, really. Kind of, we were never going to create many chances. It was never going to be an open thriller. But it was still an enjoyable game to watch. And I thought, you know, it th- was actually those magic moments were great. Sorry, Dave. It was actually by the standards of most friendlies, a very watchable game, Absolutely. wasn't it? When you can yeah. you consider how um, how vanilla a lot of friendlies can be. 
Well, I mean, just to add into that, again, I tweeted this today. When you think of the amount of crap friendlies that Wales have played over the years, it's been a long time since we've had a friendly where you've thought, you know what, I've actually really enjoyed that. And I, you know, you get some games. You know, we beat Trinidad, and that was a dreadful game. You know, there was there was there's there's enough stuff for you to be excited about in some of these games. But I, I you know, that was a genuine test against a really really good side. Like someone tweeted today, I forget who, so I apologise for stealing your work. But a football mad country of 128 million people, ninth ranked in the world you know, lost to our B team last night. It was <laughs> it was amazing. Football Chris, uh, Chris Reed, who's been on the pod before, who's obviously the USA fan, if you remember, spoke to him and he texted me before the game, was just like, I bloody hope you beat them. Um <laughs> so I was uh, I was very I was very happy to reply. I did say five nil, but I uh, maybe I was a bit too too pissed but but when by the time I was texting him. But you know, we 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 did win, so we uh, we kept <laughs> our part of the bargain. Um yeah, I, I it just so many positives and I think the the biggest one I think for me, I've said a couple of times that I'm not entirely sure about Ben Cabango. Um, in the games I've seen him, I, I felt his decision making wasn't always great. But I've got to say, I thought again, he was someone else who was just fantastic tonight. Uh, last night, sorry, his managing of the situation. Lozano, you know, is a very very talented player, and he matched him for pace. Yeah, he got done once or twice, but that's going to happen. He read situations very very well I thought he used the ball very very well he was physical when he needed to and the middle finger situation to Lozano was without question the highlight of the game <laughs> so I, I think it uh, I think it goes to show that he's he's definitely someone he's he's kind of proved me wrong and and you know I'm sure that'll I'm sure that means the world to him but uh, I, I think he's someone who's you know has really made selection difficulties for for those at the top for Tuesday's game and I think there's a few people who might have done that as well but uh yeah just a just a great just a great performance for him I thought yeah I can't can't disagree there I think it's easy to get uh lost in how much that Mexican team would have wanted a performance yesterday they've hardly played I think it's months and months since they've played together they've got these two friendlies they're you know they're looking forward to some competitive games it would have been their first um first opportunity to kind of remind the manager of who's doing what and i and i think we contained them really quite you know that you think of the it's not as though hennessy was particularly busy no. um we the um the i think i do think you're right that the the starting center backs for for tuesday is 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 in flux um, I, I, you know, you add into that mix that I don't know if things have changed with, with me being out of step with the time difference, but whether it's confirmed that James Lawrence can has been released by St. Pauli yet, because um, I think that's, um, that's, you know, that's another variable in all this as well. I haven't seen official confirmation, but I'm led to believe from what I've seen on Twitter and stuff that he will be available. Um, I think... Just to, to, I do want to kind of move on. I've again just looked at how long we've been doing. Um, I think <laughs> just to put into you know kind of final thoughts before we do move on to to Tuesday. Um, I think it goes to show that we have a team and a squad who are absolutely committed to try and go to those Euros. I think a team and a squad who were absolutely committed to 
getting something out of that game for Chris Gunter. And I think Gareth Bale coming on when he really shouldn't have <laughs> um, absolutely typified that. And I think the middle finger and the pushing and shoving moments we had and people stepping in for each other and and all of this sort of stuff I thought was I thought was just great to see. And it was a really enjoyable victory. Yeah, it was, like you say, very enjoyable for a... Could have been quite an ugly game, Um we we could have, you know, we could have come away from a two or three nil defeat in that, and it might not have been unrepresented. You know, if you just look at the rankings and who was who was being put out by the respective sides, that wouldn't have been unrepresentative. Um, and so to have turned turned the game uh, so much in our favour, I think it just speaks, like you say, it speaks very well of the squad. Um, absolutely. Uh, so to move on and look at. Tuesday's game against the Czech Republic. Obviously, they got a very, very creditable draw against the Belgians. I watched the first 15 minutes before switching over to the Wales game, and I watched the the, the 15 minutes or so at half time. Saw them get their goal, and then uh, got the, saw the equaliser from Belgium. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they play. I've read today that um, a lot of their players um, will be able to participate against us. Uh, against us, sorry, uh, Pavlenka. Um, Kadarabek, I think I've probably said that wrong, Derrida and Schick, are the, who are the big two really, they can participate against us and they couldn't play against the Belgians. So I think what's worth remembering here is that the Czechs got a very creditable draw. They played very, very well um, without arguably two of their starting players, Schick especially, would be is kind of their star man. Um, so I think it's really worth remembering that when we go into... into into the starting game on on Tuesday. Do you think there will be changes to the starting 11? Our starting 11, you mean relative yes, to yeah. who started against Belgium? Yeah. I think Hennessy made a case for starting. Um, I'm a bit concerned about Nico in that position on the on the le- that sort of left wing back thing because I, d- I don't think you're playing to his strengths. I think you're leaving him in a very difficult situation. And the Czechs do seem to like running down the right and crossing from the right. Um, some I think four of their six goals against Estonia, for example, came from either crosses of various flavours, uh, but crosses from the right, corners from the right, that seems to be their favourite side. I'm sure part of that is um, having the right combination of players available. Um, I think shit coming back, that's a bit frightening. Um, yeah. He's he's definitely their, their best striker. Um, but I was looking at some stats from yesterday's game, the Czech and Belgium game and it's it's split about 60-40 on possession to the Belgians kind of what you'd expect in in that regard but the Czechs had more shots more chances on goal more corners despite the lower possession so you we have to be careful that um, I, I think we just have to be careful I think it might be a big trip up game unfortunately uh, to answer your question, I think the the positions that are potentially changing are Hennessy and goal, some juggling of the three centre-backs. I'd be 
I think I would be putting Cabango in ahead of Mepham right now. And I don't like the idea of putting Nico out on that on that wing on the on his wrong foot because of how the Czechs like to play. I wonder if we might change formation and that kind of makes this a very different question because they they play with they played with a four four one one against the Estonians mm-hmm. and that worked out pretty well for them. They played four one four one against the Belgians, which allowed them to kind of press a little bit higher up the pitch, which I thought was interesting. So I wonder if that may change for us, um, whether we may go with a four at the back. I doubt it, but I I I'm, I I don't know. The James Lawrence situation may alter that as well. I don't know whether you'd want to put a third out of form or out of position player into the back three. For me, I think. I agree with you. I would put Hennessy back in, um, but then I wouldn't have dropped him in the first place. So I think I would play... I think Ward will continue, though, because he wasn't in the, the 23 at all. He was one of the players completely left out, so that was very much him being rested. So I think he won't... I think he will continue in gold, Danny Ward. I don't I, I don't want him to, but I think he will. Um, I think Cabango in for Mepham should happen I'm not sure it will I think Norrington Davis will play ahead of Nico um is my is my gut reaction to that I've got to be honest um but I think other than that I'm not sure the only other one I would maybe make a case for and I thought it was interesting that he came off at half time was Kiefer Moore I wonder whether he might replace Wilson and we kind of go with a bit more of a target man up front their their defenders are kind of big strong lads and I think uh, more might kind of suit that situation a little bit more so I would I would be, be tempted to do that because I still th- I still think we're scoring more goals we're just more likely to score goals with more mixing it up up front um, and I think as you say because of how the checks set up a bit of kind of strength and physicality might not might not hurt in this particular game yeah I would agree with that and I th- as I say I think they are a very hard working high pressing team um, and I think being able to have someone like Moore to be able to hold the ball up and lay it off quickly to, to your Bales and your Jameses and whoever else um, I think will be a, a big asset for us uh, in that game I, like you said I, I was going to say the same thing stats wise about the, the performance against the, the Belgians they had more shots more shots on target happy to see possession and kind of press higher up the pitch and, and take the chances when they when they came around so a lot of uh, a lot of positives for them to take from that um, I think what is so important in this game is that we do get off to a strong start again we do make sure we kind of can try and control the game a little bit and certainly kind of don't sit back and, and let them press us I think that's I think that's really really the key for me agreed I think we've we've got to be the the front foot team in this game I don't think there's any benefit to us well I don't generally I don't think there's benefit to seeding possession I think um, we are a ball potentially a ball playing team we should want the ball um, and I also think that that then plays to our strengths um, I don't see any point in putting an unsettled relatively speaking novice back four or five under more pressure than is necessary I, th- I think we you know that adage about how you should defend from the front I think it's actually particularly important in in this game yeah absolutely I mean the, the big thing 
that's worth talking about for me is I keep saying for me at the minute. I don't know why I keep doing it. <laughs> the big thing that's worth talking about, in my opinion, is I think them drawing the game last night has done two things. It's proved that Belgium are gettable. And I think it's also opened up the group. And I think, as a lot of people saying, I'd rather Belgium just run away with it and we play for second place. Well, we've already got a playoff place. And yeah, okay, we might be able to get a home playoff game and that might benefit us. But there's definitely a chance this group, this group sorry, is winnable. And I think that's really worth mentioning. And I think if we can get a win tomorrow, we have a game in hand against Belgium. Oh, we will have a game in hand, sorry, against Belgium and the Czech Republic. And I think we'd have three points. We're going to be a point behind them. We've got Belgium to play at home. I think we haven't, you know, we've still got the two games against the two weakest teams. I think there is real potential in this situation for us to kind of have a go at winning this group. I, I, I do think it is a winnable group and last night proved that. But obviously that makes... Uh, Tuesday night a, a must-win game by the same token. Yeah, I mean, I would hope that we're while the game is while the group is still in a position that we can win it, that we go for winning it. I, I don't see anything to gain in the short term by being um, being passive about this. It's also our last competitive game before we we have to do the real thing in the Euros. I think it's important that you keep momentum going. Um, I think there's things to build on from both last week's and last night's game that we can. Um, the the Czechs are clearly a well-organised and adaptable side when you, when you consider the changes they've been forced to make, both in the autumn with the number of players that they were losing to various COVID issues, the the complications of quarantine and, and such like that have affected the teams over the, the last two games that they've played. They, they're clearly a very unified, well-organized, um, well-structured team because people are slotting in and out yeah. and it's, you know, they're not missing a stride. Um, so I think it's going to be a hard, hard game. I, th I think we've got to be careful we don't underestimate what uh, their qualities i agree i mean i watched um, them play they've oh, got sorry. a lot of they've got a lot of momentum as well at the minute having done well in the autumn come from behind winning their nations league group uh, you know taking that forward with the performances in in this window i think they're on a roll as well yeah i, I mean i watched them play against scotland in the nations league and i was really surprised because i thought you know scotland were the better team there the Czechs didn't look great I don't know uh, enough about the kind of situation there for as to how they played the way they or why they played sorry the way they did but it did make me think that this was a gettable team yet watching them uh, last night made me think bloody hell we're in for a tough game here so I do that's the only flip side to that I would say is that I do think they are variable I think they mm -hmm. are you know yes they kind of pulled out the stops at home big game against uh against the best team in the world but you know it's a very different circumstance I would also like to think that they've kind of spent a lot of energy in that game mm -hmm. and I think yes there's other p players coming back in but I think you know three important competitive important competitive games especially the second one against Belgium where they didn't have much of the ball and were kind of very 
physical in the, the way they were trying to get, you know, in their tri- in their performance, you know, getting around the pitch, active rather than physical. Sorry, um, I think says will will have taken its toll because it's a small recovery window. They've got to they've got to travel to Cardiff as well, whereas we are already there. I think whilst they are a good team, and yes, we can absolutely trip up against them because they've got quality. I I think the context of the situation also makes me remain positive about it. I agree with you. I mean, you'd rather have a two-game competitive window than a three-game competitive window. I think, ironically, the COVID issues they've faced has made them change their starting eleven, which might be of benefit by Tuesday. Yeah, true. Um, you, you know, they, they, um, they didn't. Ironically, they didn't have what was probably their starting eleven out yesterday against Belgium, although it looks like they might be able to cut out their first 11 against us. Cool. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, I know. Um, the To go back to what you were saying about the merits of going for the group win, I mean, I definitely think we should because I would never want us to go into a, a qualifying tournament where you didn't aspire for that. Um there's also the advantage, as you were saying, that if we come second in this group, um, you then have the possibility of a home a home draw for the um, for the playoffs. If we're qualifying through the Nations League, we definitely don't have that even as a possibility. Yeah. Uh, so I th- so I think there's um, I think there's merit in being second in the, in the finishing well as a second in the group there is an advantage to that um over you know just relying on the nations league and god knows david something ludicrous would happen and for some reason that whole it can't happen we can't not get a qualifying playoff place thing would you know it would it would be so wales it would be very wales, um yeah. so i think we i think we have to approach this as a a qualifying group in its own merits and just kind of shelve the whole nation's league backdoor thing um, for right now, because this, that's just too big a variable. Who knows, you know, what the world might be doing by the autumn. Yeah, um, so clearly last night's draw is a, is a big plus for us. It's, it's, as you said, it's opened the group up a bit. Um, if we can get three points on Tuesday, it's a, it becomes a very even qualifying group. We've got that game in hand, um, and it also means that you know we don't we don't have to address this again until September. Um, so there's there's a kind of we can regroup. Hopefully, some people that aren't fit at the minute can recover, have some sort of break in the summer, you know, and come and come back with a fresh to attack this in September. Um. Yeah, I, I I totally agree, and I think we have to maximise these opportunities. They don't they don't come around often, do they? So I think we've got to make the most of uh, of the opportunities we have. Um, to try and wrap up, because I'm aware of the time, um, <laughs> let's do our least favourite thing. I said in our uh, Matchday magazine game, or well, are available at commonhadadream.com, that um, we I thought we would win this two nil. I haven't seen their game. Uh, a bit to their game, sorry, and obviously the way we've played, I'm going to change that. I think we are going to win 1-0. I think it's going to be a very tight game. I think it's going to be decided by an odd goal. I can see either team winning 1-0, if I'm being br- brutally honest. <coughs> I'm not I'm not going to uh, obviously 
plump for them for obvious reasons, but I think I'm going to say 1-0 Wales. Okay, well, I'm just... I'm actually looking at what I said in the, in the, <laughs> in the magazine because I, <laughs> I realise I haven't made a note of it. So just bear with me a minute. Okay, so I said 2-1 to us. Um, and I, I think I'm actually... I think I'm going to stick with that. I think I'm going to stick with that. I think... They have the they have the capacity to score goals. I think they are dangerous. Um, as I said, coming down the right in particular, I think they, um, given how unsettled we are at the back, I think it's difficult to see us not potentially seeding something. Um, but I think also we we have the potential to score goals. So yeah, I'm going to stick with my two one. I think. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Um, some completely useless predictions for you there. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. We will be back after the Czech Republic game. I know we wanted to talk about the under-21s, but we've been here for about an hour and 15 minutes, so I think we can save that for, for the next time. So we, we will talk about the under-21s um, and obviously the Czech Republic game and some wider, wider bigger picture issues, I guess, as to how these results have, have, have affected things. So thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the game on Tuesday. Come on, boys. Um, thank you very much for your time, Ruth. Good to chat to you as ever. Yep. No, like I said, it's, it's not hard to chat about football at the minute, is it? Yeah, we finally got actual football to talk about, which is exciting. <laughs> not us two talking absolute bollocks about stuff we don't really understand. <laughs> anyway, uh, on that note, thank you for listening. Please do go and look at our Match Day magazine. Um, we've also got some match reviews on there from the Mexico game and the belgium game as well so thank you very much uh, to those who have written those again it's all at coleman had a dream.com as is our match day magazine magazine game thank you very much for listening and goodbye bye bye